A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm glad you joined us on the program today. So we're going to talk about what's going on in Georgia, where uh, Governor Brian Kemp, you know, says he is on board with the idea of constitutional carry in the state. Uh, I think the prospects look good. Uh, we'll see what happens with the uh, state house. That appears to be where the uh, problems uh, 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 lay the last go around for uh, constitutional carry. But I-, I feel pretty good about the prospects of constitutional carry. I think, ironically, the uh, primary fight between uh, Brian Kemp and uh, David Perdue, the uh, former senator who is running for governor, I think that is probably going to light a fire. Uh, under Kemp, who wants to show Republican and conservative voters, look, I'm getting stuff done. Constitutional carry, I think, is a a big wish list item there. Uh, But the Democrats in Georgia, uh, obviously, are not going to go along with constitutional carry, right? They have um, a very different ideology, one that uh, involves, you know, treating our right to keep and bear arms as if it is a privilege to be doled out by the state. Uh, And that, in fact, is uh, the impetus behind a bill introduced by a uh, Georgia Democrat that would require all gun owners in the state to undergo a mandatory safety training class in order to exercise their right to keep arms in their home. Mm -hmm. So this is being uh, proposed by a uh, Atlanta-area Democrat, uh, Senator uh, Sally Harrell. Uh, It is uh, Senate Bill 344, uh, and it requires, or it would require, uh, that uh, all gun owners or or would-be gun owners in the state of Georgia first take a four- to uh, six-hour, quote-unquote, gun safety course that would go over everything from, you know, the applicable gun laws in the state of Georgia, presumably the federal government as well, uh, would deal with, you know, conflict resolution, how to de-escalate tension so you don't use your firearm, uh, storage practices, and then a live fire training requirement in order for you to keep a firearm in your home, you would have to prove uh, to the state of Georgia that you are proficient with the firearm that you would like to purchase. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. This bill is not going to pass in Georgia. that's not why we're talking about it today. But if you are a regular viewer slash reader of Bearing Arms, uh, you will recall a few weeks ago, we talked about a very, very similar proposal uh, in the state of Delaware. Here's how the uh, Liberal Center for American Progress described SB3 in the state of Delaware. Uh, They say that the Senate bill would require anyone wishing to purchase a handgun to first obtain a permit that entails fingerprinting as well as basic live firearm training and safety training. And in order for you to buy that handgun, you would have to present your permit to purchase, which again, you could only receive after you've undergone this mandatory training requirement or this mandatory training class with that live fire requirement. In Delaware, I believe it's 100 rounds uh, that you have to fire. And again, in order to legally own a gun. Now, there are a couple of problems with this on a couple of different levels. There's the constitutional issue right? Which is a uh, probably the, the primary concern here. Look, we start with our right to keep and bear arms. 
I don't care if Senator Harrell hasn't read the Constitution in a while. Maybe she needs a refresher course, but but that's it. We begin our lives with our rights intact, right? Now, as a three-year-old, you might not be able to exercise your first or second amendment rights, but you possess them. And when you are of legal age, you enter maturity with your rights intact. You start from the position of, yes, I have a right to both keep and bear arms. You start from the position of, yes, I have the right to speak my mind, to worship as I please, to publicly and peaceably assemble, to address grievances from my government. You start with those rights intact. And Senator Harrell's bill, this bill in Delaware, turns those rights on their head and says, no, actually, you don't start with your rights intact. You start from a position of not being able to own a gun at all. You you start out, your starting point is you cannot keep, you cannot bear arms unless you get permission from the state. Again, that's not how rights work. So even if, Senator Harrell's bill were to be approved in Georgia, which it's not going to be, or SB3 is approved in Delaware, which it very well might. It's already cleared the state Senate. It has basically got one vote left on the House floor, and then it could become law if the governor signs it. I I don't expect that these laws to um, withstand legal scrutiny because they are such a clear violation of our fundamental right to keep our arms. Look, even the Supreme Court... Uh, I don't think the Heller decision was a perfect decision, but but even the Supreme Court said that the core purpose of our right to keep and bear arms is self-defense inside the home, right? So it may very well be that, uh, you know, registration requirements would be upheld by the Supreme Court. They, they weren't technically challenged in uh, the Heller case. It was the ban on handguns and the uh, storage requirements, which... Ironically enough, those storage requirements were tossed out as unconstitutional in Heller, but uh, Senator Harrell would like to bring back a slightly modified version uh, of the storage requirements. That's also a part of her legislation is a storage mandate that if you don't keep your firearm locked up or basically on your person at all times, that you are guilty of a misdemeanor offense, punishable up to a year in jail or a $1,000 fine or both. So these Democrats are clearly ignoring what was said in Heller by the Supreme Court. They are clearly ignoring what it means to actually possess a a fundamental individual right. And I think they're doing this for a couple of reasons. A, because they don't like guns, right? But B, they're also, I think they're looking for a response to the push for constitutional carry. We now have 21 states that are constitutional carry. We've got five more that I think have a better than 50% chance of becoming constitutional carry states this year. You also have the Supreme Court uh, set to rule on New York's arbitrary and capricious may issue carry laws. And so the gun control advocates, look, I mean, they, they are losing ground dramatically when it comes to our right to bear arms. And this, I think, is their response. Okay, you guys are pushing for constitutional carry, permitless carry. You think you people should be able to walk around with guns with without a, a license, without a permission from the state government or the federal government? 
Well, in that case, we're going to require that permission slip from state governments before you can even possess a firearm in your home. These mandatory training bills, or the permit to purchase bills that uh, you know come with uh, mandatory training attached, I think these are the anti-constitutional carry bill, uh, or the anti-constitutional carry response by the gun control lobby. Uh, it is a an attempt, <clears throat> again, to deny that our right to keep and bear arms is even a right at all, uh, and to erect barriers, insurmountable barriers in some cases, between you and your Second Amendment rights. Now, again, as I said, in Georgia, I don't think this bill is going anywhere, uh, despite what uh, Senator Harrell says. And she acknowledges, by the way, that this is a response to constitutional carry, uh, saying, quote, some members of the General Assembly want to put more guns on our streets by removing permit requirements. I'm more interested in keeping citizens safe from gun violence and accidents. We would never allow anyone with a car to drive it in public without proper instruction. If we're going to have more guns everywhere, gun owners should be trained on how to use and store them safely. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, the bill also sets out new storage regulations that require gun owners to keep their firearms locked in a locked storage box that is, quote, reasonably secure. Violation of this requirement also be a misdemeanor. Now, I, I actually want to get to a couple of things that uh, specific responses to what uh, Senator Harrell said. Would never allow anyone with a car to drive into public without proper instruction. Well, the law says if you take a car out on the public streets, right, you need to have a license. The law also says, hey, um, you're not supposed to ride ATVs on the street. You're not supposed to ride dirt bikes out on the street, right? What are we seeing in cities across the country right now? Illegal dirt bike, quad bike riders, right? In many cases, tying up traffic, blocking intersections. Um, police respond. Rarely are arrests made. Even rarer are the uh, court appearances from those charged with uh, violating the traffic laws. So, yeah, on paper, Senator Harrell is right. But in reality, uh, many Democrat cities don't seem to care about things like driving without a license or uh, driving on city streets in a uh, vehicle that is not uh, road ready uh, or not allowed on public thoroughfares. So I would, I would, I would take issue with uh, her comparison, but I would also take issue because we're talking again about a fundamental right to keep and bear arms. Um, as much as we might have a right to travel in this country, um, owning a car is not the same, constitutionally speaking, as owning a gun. And it is an apples-to-oranges comparison. Uh, as for, you know, the idea that, well, look, if we're going to have more guns everywhere, gun owners should be trained on how to use and store them safely. Look, I don't have any issue with firearms training. I have issues with mandates. That's my issue. If Senator Hale were proposing a bill that would provide funding for every sheriff's office in the state of Georgia to put on uh, free or uh, reduced cost uh, gun training programs, I'd have no problem with that. If Senator Harrell were proposing a bill by which uh, prospective gun owners could apply for grants offered by the state uh, in order to take a, a firearms training course if they cannot afford one, I'd have no problem with that either. 
But the idea that you were going to criminalize the possession of a firearm in your own home, if somebody has not taken a mandated firearms training course that includes live fire training, no. That's absolutely ridiculous. Again, that turns the right of the people to keep and bear arms into a privilege to be doled out uh, by the state. And that's not, again, how our rights work. So, you know, look, we'll keep an eye on SB 344. It's not going anywhere. I I doubt it even gets a hearing in the committee uh, that it's assigned to. But again, we'll pay closer attention to SB 3 in Delaware. And more importantly, we'll be looking for other blue states like New York, California, Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, to introduce legislation like this of their own. Because I I am convinced that um, the gun control lobby is coalescing around the idea of mandating training to own a firearm as a response to the success that we've seen in the right-to-carry revolution across the country. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of Louisville, Kentucky, where a man accused of shooting and killing a construction worker apparently should have been behind bars. But because of a, uh, I guess, a lapse, he slipped through the cracks, according to uh, uh, the local news stories. Uh, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. But this is from a WABE Wave uh, 3. Um, Keyshawn Stewart, right now being held on a million dollars bond for the death of a, a construction worker back on November 19th. According to uh, reports, Stewart fatally shot Fred O'Bannon, uh, who was working, he was sitting in his car at the time, uh, Stewart then walked towards a, uh, a sergeant with the Louisville Police Department, Sergeant Chris Lane, shot him in the face. Lane returned fire, striking Stewart several times. Uh, both the officer and the suspect survived. And again, now we're learning that Keyshawn Stewart should have been behind bars here. Stewart was convicted of burglary in 2019. He was sentenced to five years of probation. I, I, I confess, I'm not sure that probation was the right uh, sentence here. Stewart and a friend allegedly broke into a home. They just trashed the inside. They stole a case that had 12 guns inside. But according to uh, Channel 3 in Louisville, Judge Olu Stevens, quote, didn't think jail would rehabilitate Stewart and gave him five years of probation instead. Now. If you don't think jail is going to rehabilitate somebody, I, I don't know why probation would. Seems to me if you're worried that, you know, well, I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, jail is the right place to rehabilitate this guy. So let's put him back out on the streets. Um, well, apparently probation didn't rehabilitate Mr. Stewart either. Uh, because about nine months after he was sentenced to probation in Louisville in March of last year, Stewart allegedly rammed his car through the doors of a car dealership in Nashville, Tennessee. He lit one of the offices on fire. And then when an officer responded, he assaulted the officer, slashed the officer's arm. In June of last year, 
Stewart was found guilty of felony arson and assaulting an officer in Tennessee. And again, he was sentenced to probation. Four years probation. He actually got more time on probation in Louisville for the uh, burglary and theft of firearms than he got for setting a car dealership on fire in Nashville, Tennessee. But in both cases, probation. Probation. Now, when he received probation in Nashville, actually when he was arrested in Nashville, his probation officer in Kentucky should have been alerted to that fact. Should have informed the court, hey, this guy just got arrested for another crime. And probation in Kentucky should have been revoked at that point. But it wasn't. Not when he was arrested, nor when he was convicted. Uh, Fred O'Bannon's mom, Anita O'Bannon, said, quote, The system has failed. It has failed us. It has failed me. It has failed his kids. It has failed so many people. And it's not fair. She also said that she doesn't blame Keyshawn Stewart, quote, at all, because he's gotten away with everything else. Well, I, I listen, I, I'm with Anita O'Bannon that the system has failed here. But I still blame Keyshawn Stewart, <clears throat> who is a grown man, who knows right from wrong, uh, and who willfully chose to uh, allegedly shoot and kill Fred O'Bannon, who willfully chose to engage in all of these other crimes. Now, again, maybe if he had been sentenced to prison, well, he certainly would have been out of the streets to commit these other crimes. Would that have changed his mind? Would that have given him a new outlook on life? I don't know. I don't know. But at least he would have been unable to engage in these other violent offenses because there would have been consequences for the first crime that he committed rather than a simple slap on the wrist and a, uh, we'll see you soon which is exactly what happened in the case of Keyshawn Stewart. Now, today's Armed citizen story. Uh, this from, where is this? Evansville, Indiana. I guess not too terribly far from Louisville. Where a man claims uh, he shot an uh, intruder in self-defense not long ago. This was uh, over the weekend, Sunday afternoon. Police responded to reports of a man uh, breaking into an apartment armed with a gun. Woman who lives in the apartment uh, talked to uh, tristatehomepage.com. She said her family was spending the day together when she heard a man trying to break in. She said, my kids were screaming. I had three kids in the house that were screaming. We tried to tell him to stop beating on the door, and he didn't listen. She said the man never got into the apartment, but he did break several windows, and he threatened to shoot her. So she ran upstairs. She yelled for her fiancé. And she says when he said that he would shoot me in the face, she said, I didn't take no time. I locked my door. I put my dog in the kennel, and I ran. She says when her fiancé came downstairs, he yelled at the man to stop, but the man got a shovel and began hitting the door. That's when, she says, the fiancé fired one shot. Police eventually arrived on scene, took the guy into custody. He's now facing charges. He's treated for a gunshot wound and a dog bite, by the way. Uh, Faces several charges, including attempted burglary, possession of a handgun without a license, as well as resisting law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, this is a crazy story. Uh, The woman said that uh, he threatened to shoot her in the face because her dog bit him. Now, I don't know what happened before the guy tried to break into the apartment. Was there an incident where the dog bit the guy? I don't know. Maybe kind of sounds like it. He was taken to a hospital, did get treatment for a dog bite. Um, 
but if if a dog bites you, the proper response is not to go to the home of the owners of that dog, break their windows, threaten to shoot the woman in the face. Uh, at that point, you call 911. You tell police, hey, I just got bit by a dog. Uh, yeah, I know where the dog lives. I'm standing right out front. I won't leave. I won't approach, but I'll just be standing right here when you get here. So, I, you know, even if the guy was bit by the dog, doesn't justify the behavior. Uh, and I would say that uh, the uh, individual's, the suspect's behavior does actually justify the uh, homeowner's shooting the man in self-defense. We'll keep our eyes on the story, give you any more information as it becomes available. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from Miami-Dade, Florida, where a 7-year-old who is spending months in the hospital recovering from uh, severe burn injuries got a uh, special greeting from officers with the uh, Miami-Dade Police Department. Uh, Bo Newman... Uh, accidentally burned himself at the end of last month. He was trying to make a campfire on a beach, and some lighter fluid got on him. Uh, he is now recovering from third-degree burns to his chest, his arms, other parts of his body. He's got at least another month in the hospital. He's already spent about a month there. Uh, and he needed a little pick-me-up. I mean, he's seven. That's a hard thing to deal with. Well, Captain uh, Rita Rodriguez uh, with the Miami-Dade Police Department. I was one of the officers who took part in this event on uh, Monday around noon. Dozens of squad cars showing up outside the hospital. Helicopter flyby uh, as officers turned out to show their support for the uh, seven-year-old. Captain Rodriguez says, um, we have our detectives, our undercover detectives, we have our dogs, we have our motormen. Bo's mom said it's a boost for him, something positive coming out of this entire experience. Uh, at age seven, by the way, Bo, like many kids at age, wants to be a police officer. And uh, Captain Rodriguez says, you know, this is what we signed up for. We signed up for our community to be there to inspire people in their time of need. Uh, and that's what we do. So hopefully uh, Bo not only inspired, but uh, that's going to lift his spirits and aid in his recovery. And hopefully he'll be home in Ohio before long, but uh, in the right place at the right time. Wasn't able to do the right thing. The men and women of the Miami-Dade Police Department uh making a seven-year-old burn victim's day just a little bit brighter and easier to deal with. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. We'll see you back here tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But in the meantime, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com, the website, where we're updating uh, uh, throughout the day and evening with the latest Second Amendment news stories that you need to know about. You can also become a VIP subscriber at BearingArms.com. Just Go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will they give you exclusive news stories and commentary you won't find anywhere else, uh, but you'll also be showing your support for the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism that we do here on the site. All right. We're going to scoot, but we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 